0: you will be proud of this game, and you can do a
1: great deal for football today. Great deal for all the players and the league and everything else. Oh, I see him looking. I'm closing. Ah! I was mm. born in it. Molded oh. yeah, said so they, they got to wake up
2: with a piss out. You talking about Rasool?
0: Ladies, Lewis here, AKA Big Dog. dog, dog, dog. You listening to the Poor Man's Packers podcast? Go back go! Good night, man. I'm so excited.
3: That's wrong. That's wrong. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers podcast, the Roman Packers podcast. In the state of our minds, I am Spencer once again joined this week with Todd. Todd. Hello, hello. And Todd, today is the day. Everyone listening, it is the kickoff of training camp. Our long-awaited. You know, nightmare is finally over. Football yes. is so close. We're only family night is yeah. August fifth,
2: I think. Whose jersey is on the everyday Twitter where it's like X amount of days left? It's J.J. <laughs> Watts always first at ninety nine, and then you just work your oh, way down the nfl the doc-
3: I I've enjoyed uh the Packers subreddit. They've been posting like absolute nobodies for the numbers like counting down until uh um you know week one kickoff maybe bj Coleman are our... Our number nine, original hero. Yes, yes, of course. Number nine. Love BJ Colden. <laughs> still, still the greatest. One of my favorite drafters. I think I said it during uh, our draft episode too. But the dude got drafted in the seventh round, and he told Mike McCarthy <laughs> yeah. in his phone call when he got drafted that he was going to be the best draft pick in Packers history. <laughs> <laughs> still, still the best. The two a year later, he was the backup for a day, and then he got cut. And Scott Tolzien and Seneca Wallace yeah. came over. But yes, very. Very important piece of Packers history there. But uh, yeah, finally getting on with training camp. The first practice, it will be Tuesday at 1030. It looks like most of the practices will be at that time. But before we get into that, you know, we got to have an icebreaker here, Todd. Huge news in the NFL today. Did you see that Packers legend Jimmy Graham signed with the Saints for <laughs> one year? Wait. Did you see this? I actually did, did not, not see this? this.
2: No, I actually did not see this. He I, signed for a year?
3: I woke up this morning, you know, and then I checked Twitter, and it says Jimmy Jimmy Graham signs one-year deal with the Saints, and I'm like, man, it's really weird to sign a one-day contract for a full year. You know, yeah. I just assumed, because he didn't – I don't believe he played in the league last year. He played with the Bears before that. But, mm-hmm. no, he's – and it's weird, too, because they don't even have Sean Payton anymore. Right. He's going back <laughs> – to be the tight I, they have that i believe his name is juan johnson who was their tight end one last year but bringing the carcass of jimmy graham back i li- I literally thought it was you oh know a one gosh. day contract to like honor helm and yeah. retire a saint retire but Jersey no, he's, he's nice Jersey. actually playing football this year that's insane. Are you excited
2: i yeah i mean i'm glad he's, yeah i'm excited to see him on someone else's team i'm excited yeah. to watch him not even try to block anybody i mean how old is he that is a good question he's got to be 35
3: oh wouldn't that be he's got to be if, older
2: than uh 35
3: if he came back and actually big beat big dog for the oldest tight end to play in the league yeah he's 36 years old i think mercedes is older he's got to be older that. yeah yeah so very very important stuff but uh yeah, couldn't I mean, that that I don't happened.
2: doubt he can catch the ball. Like, I big ducks thirty
3: nine. Okay,
2: wow. Yeah. So I don't doubt that he could catch the ball, but like, to be honest, his level of effort in his, <laughs> I mean, the second half of the season, or whatever, what was that year? We what had him last, for two. We had him for the last two full year that he years. Played for us, it was no uh, 2019. effort. Twenty nineteen. We had him. It was like, twenty nineteen. Get to the red zone. He was like, okay. Let's, let's try and catch the ball <laughs> up until that point. Like he was not blocking anybody. He wasn't, I mean, it was bad. He, to his credit, he was decent
3: for us in the playoffs. When he played, he had the, um, the game ceiling first down that had all those replays that people were getting pissed about. Cause there was one replay where the yellow line was, um, like cl- cl- it was further away than the actual first down marker. So that screwed people up, but yeah, he he is. Uh, I don't know. I moving on from Jordy Nelson to sign Jimmy Graham in <laughs> retrospect wasn't as great of a <laughs> of a transaction as we originally well, thought it would be. But yeah, um, that's
2: fun though. It's it's yeah, a fun it, story, sure. It'll it'll.
3: I don't think the Saints are gonna have much else to look forward to this year. So at least they can have some nostalgia going on on the football field. Sure. But uh, yeah, this episode, we will talk a little training camp stuff, but we'll talk about Jordan Love a little bit. There's a couple more comments that have came out. Uh, Rezul Douglas came out and had probably the most positive <laughs> words that anyone, for the most part, the people yeah. have least. Nice, honest <laughs> yeah. thoughts out there, I guess. Aaron Jones and Romeo Dubs have said a couple nice things about how he plays on the field. A lot of other players keep talking about his confidence in leadership, which I is know. fine and dandy. But, I mean, I'm sure Mitch Trubisky was a good leader, too. Um, Maybe. We'll talk about the multiple press conferences <laughs> with Mark Murphy, Goody, and Matt LaFleur. Also some football stuff. Obviously, training camp starting today and... Uh, We'll have some hot, we have our one hot take, one cold take for training camp, and then hopefully maybe some training camp stories too. I used to go to training camp way back in the day, back when, before Lambeau Field turned into Disneyland. But uh, yeah, starting things off. So, Reswell Douglas went on, God, what's his name? The corner for the Eagles. He went on... His podcast and we will play the clip here of Resul talking about Jordan Love. I have told a lot of great stories about like your boy Jordan Love, man, because
0: everybody got this Aaron Rodgers thing. I got a lot of mm-hmm. I got a lot of upside for him, man. I just see him being a very, very talented player. Man, how it is going against him in practice and the difference between or similarities between him and Aaron. Well, I wasn't there the whole OTA, so I, I don't really know what he was doing. I know last year he was he was cooking us in practice sometimes. But this year he ain't really been completing none against us. We've we been kind of doing our thing on him, but yeah, on his ass. I, we on him. We we on him. On him. On him. But I just I like how he carried himself to the mm-hmm. game. He got that swag to him. Like I right, like like I, I I hear y'all, but I don't at the same time. Like right. and I'm a I'm gonna be myself. And I think that's what we all we trying to take that off his back. Like you don't gotta be Aaron. And a you don't have to be him because, honestly, it's it's only, like, one or two of him anyway. anyway you know what I'm saying? He, so already, he already yeah. rare. Come on, man. You, like, you don't see stuff like that. Like, people like that. So, I'm like, you don't gotta be him, bro. Like, you just gotta be you. And the best you is all we need. But we right. gotta make sure we keep supporting him and, you know, keep, keep right. being on him because he good though. Like, he can make... Every throw, he can make it. Like, I, I by seen far. It. Yeah. I don't see far. Yo, he last used to hit us in the pocket with, like, no looks, everything, everything. I'm like, oh my goodness! Like, so he got he got it all in his game. It's just whatever he want to do, he could do. You know what I'm saying? Like, so mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be a pretty good year. I think people don't really know what he's capable of doing, and they'll see it. I think the only really glimpse they got was a couple of glimpses of y'all game, yeah, game, yeah. game, and then like two years ago, he played the whole KC game. But I think he's a, a way different player than he was. You know what I mean? He he makes the right reads. He could throw every mm-hmm. throw. So to me, it's all once he get in that groove and he get his feet wet, he good. He'll be ready also, to go. Yeah, because you know everybody gonna come in there like, oh, a rod now nah, there, we got him. Yeah, and now like, and, that's not, and that's why, and that's why I told him because like even you know you got your homies and friends and they always ask you like, bro, he gonna be good? He gonna be like, do you know like? I'm like, I, I can't tell you yes or no. I want to let him prove his own and make his own way because I know when he was going in, it like there was no game plan for him. Like everybody game plan for the last twenty years was a mm-hmm.
3: So I thought that was a pretty revealing clip. One, I enjoyed that Rizul seemed to be very <laughs> honest and open during this. I think a lot of these interviews you hear, like, especially if you go back and just Google, like, Preston Smith interviewing on NFL. God, I forgot what show he was on, but they asked him about Jordan Love. He's like the most monotone. Yeah, we're all really confident in him. Blah, blah, blah. And David Bakhtar had a similar one, but. Razul here. A lot of glowing things. The negatives. <laughs> I mean, he did say last year Jordan was cooking them in practice, and then he said this year we've been on his ass. He's only been at two practices, Razul, right, right, but right. it did sound like he kind of struggled those two days. He did mention that during the Eagles game, they didn't, you know, game plan for Jordan Love. They were thinking more about a Rod, and that that Chiefs game, that you know, he obviously struggled a little bit when they knew he was coming in. But the fact that he said um <laughs> that he can make every throw and that last season he was throwing no look passes and playing really well that was the first time i'd heard anyone say one that he does the no look passes outside of tyler dunn's piece only a of years patrick ago, mahomes could do that yeah <laughs> yeah patrick mahomes the invented the <laughs> yeah. but either way nice to finally get some really positive football comments about jordan love
2: yeah. I mean, there's obviously, I feel like it's in general, a positive, right? Like everything he's saying sounds pretty positive. I mean, I can't help but look past. It's like, okay, you know, we got him locked down and practice granted only a couple practices, whatever. But then also yeah. when he's like, Hey, you know, everybody's game planning for Rogers, like referring to the Eagles game. Right. And then when they do game plan for him, it's a KC game. Now, we've talked about this before the Casey KC game, Casey's defense got a lot better after that, after that game. So it's like, it wasn't yep. just a Jordan love thing, but I mean, I guess I do also, appreciate that. It seems we didn't
3: have a lot of days to, to prep that game either. Cause True. Rogers got COVID on like Wednesday or Thursday. When they yep. brought the heat,
2: right. Yep. And bring heat at a young quarterback is probably going to be a recipe for success more yep. times than not. So, but anyways, I, I think in general, I think, yeah, it was, a, it was an honest, it seemed honest and genuine. I mean, Brazil seems pretty honest anyway. So yeah. of the people out there, like he, I don't feel like he's going to give you a BS answer. Maybe at the podium, but like in this scenario, it seemed pretty honest. So yeah, I, I think it's. I like it. I mean, I, yeah, it, it makes me feel better than where we were at like a year or two ago, where it's like no oh one's talking about it. It's like just he right. was just not even there. It was. Yeah. It was scary.
3: Yeah. And that was, you know, one of my main arguments for the whole Jordan Love thing is literally, you know, a year ago, he Rogers got the $150 million contract and no one was thinking about Jordan Love at this time. Absolutely. Right. No one. We we assumed that would be his last year with the Packers. But yeah, nice seeing this. And you're saying how, you know, this is kind of a public thing for as Well, he does. He did win last year. The good guy award for the Packers media group gives out a good guy award for who's very open to the media and Razul Douglas won it last year so hey maybe we can take a little bit more than just you know take it with a grain of salt like this is coach speak or football talk or something like that so I was happy to finally get something when a lot of it has just been kind of I still I mean for three years this is going into year four but for three years it was yeah Jordan Love uh he's showing command in the huddle and he's really good at getting the guys in and out of the huddle I'm like is this the bar that we've set for the for a, a quarterback in the NFL? Like so he's super I, nice. <clears throat> on right. everybody's
2: birthday he brings a treat.
3: <laughs> that's and that's something else, you know, thinking way too much, diving way too deep into these comments we've got throughout the offseason is I do wonder if these guys on the team and everyone says like we're no we know what he's capable of and he can s- surprise some people. I wonder if part of it is they don't want to say anything concrete but they also want to build him up with all this confidence shit because maybe he has lacked confidence in the past. You know, we don't know anything about the guy. Maybe he has had some piss-poor practices and he just kind of stacks those shitty practices or shitty throws in a practice and this is some some way the team's trying to rally behind him but I will say,
2: I will say, I don't think that's true just in the sense of like, when you watch him play, like he seems pretty calm, cool, and collected. Like he doesn't seem like he would get rattled, but again, small sample size. I'm just going to say my gut says that that's, that that's not going to be an issue. Um, I would think more like, you know, like that comment to me of like, Oh, he can make all the throws. I'm like, if you're in the league, like in the practice, you better make all the throws, right? Yes. Like it's the consistency and going out there and like beating a defense. Yes. I don't, I mean, some t- like, okay, you have the Tebow's of the world, right? That don't, that don't have the arm, but like mm-hmm. more times than not, most guys in the pros can make it. It's just putting it together and being consistent, right? Like in protecting the ball. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. And that's uh, like last week, I think NFL.com posted a um fields highlights Sure, and they, and they were all throws, I believe, or most of them that they included. And like a Bears fan, it's like, see, and people say he can't throw. And it's like, he threw, what, at l- hundreds of times last year? Yeah, I would hope you can find five throws <laughs> that are good. Like, you could do the same thing with Mitch Trubisky yeah, a bunch of other busts in the past. So, like you said, the consistency. Oh, Christian Ponder threw the ball well for very a while important. there, right? Like, there's, I mean, yeah.
2: guys in the league throw the ball well right like that's why they're there so yeah i don't
3: know it's it we don't know we'll see it's nice that we're getting past the the off season is finally finishing and now you know here on out it's going to be actual football or at least practices that we're commenting about on the daily instead of every couple weeks
2: it's just a hype train
3: we got (laughs) lots of hype
2: that's all i mean it's so much hype right now
3: Well, it'll be interesting, too, because Matt and Goody have both been a little shy about uh, saying if he's going to actually play in these preseason games and three preseason games and especially getting two joint practices this year, which is the most we've ever had. They might try to it seems like they're going to try to get those reps in practice instead of games, which it's the whole thing's kind of odd how they're being coy with it, too, because one, I think he's not going to play as much in the preseason as we would have liked. And also, it was odd this year for OTAs, first time I can remember that it was closed to the public. Every other year, the OTA practices have been open to the public, at least some of them, but only a a few this year were open to even the media to watch, which is Hmm. a strange thing that
2: I assume that. Did the media ask, did they ask an oppressor why that was? No,
3: uh, I know Jason Wildes talked about it a little bit and how it's strange and it seems like they're just trying to protect them and it's more so, you know, wanting his argument is, yes, you know, we could miss a bad practice from Jordan Love, but when we have nothing, if he had a really, really good day of practice, we're not going to know about it either. So I don't know, just kind of a odd thing that the team decided to do this year and not in years past. So, yeah, (laughs) yeah. But also, um, something else we have to talk about, uh, it's something that's been talked about a lot recently in the country, uh, it came up in Wisconsin this week, you know, people talking and saying that they ident- They identify one way when other people don't uh, view them that way, that identity. I'm, of course, talking about uh, the Packers' ownership, the uh, uh, shareholders oh. meeting today. Mm-hmm. A lot of Packer fans think that they're owners and, you know, other NFL teams that you're not owners it's just a i knew speaker. exactly where you were going with that yeah yes yeah so we had the shareholders meeting this week not a lot came from that but they're <laughs> once again i love the packers and i'm sure mark murphy's a nice guy but some of the shit that they do so mark murphy is the president and ceo of the green bay packers he's the most important man running that organization mm-hmm. on monday the day of the shareholders meeting they had one press conference can you guess what the press conference was for? I have, I have no idea. It was not. Mark Murphy talked to the media later in the day. That was not the live press conference. The live press conference was the Groomy Packers announcing that they have bought the business Fomation. Oh, the The yes. business that makes the cheese sets. So they had a live presser saying that they merged Stay with news. them. They bought that company as if... in. Aaron Nagler said that this means that cheese heads will be cheaper now in the future. Apparently, they were very expensive. They were like 50 bucks for a real one. And he's really? saying that now they're going to be like 20 or 30 bucks. I have one. And and I've got a couple from back in the day, too, when I was a kid. But like, have you ever worn a cheese head at a game? I did once when I was like in middle school and I'm like, it it's awkward. No. on your head. I, I feel like a dick bag because the people behind me. <clears> not yeah. Be able- might not be able to see the field so i will say
2: my kids get a kick out of it every now and then so there's that right because the kids yeah. like it but aside from that i don't yeah i wouldn't wear it to a game probably i mean right mostly for, for two reasons it would fall off a lot they don't stick on your head very well and also, I feel like it would be pretty obnoxious to the people behind me. So <laughs> That's always my concern.
3: But yeah, so the Green Bay Packers thought that the fans, you know, it definitely wasn't a free ad that they did. No, they thought that the fans were more interested in that merger with a business rather than hearing from Mark Murphy talking about the football. I
2: think they're, I think the Packers media team is smarter than to put Mark Murphy on a live presser if they don't have to. I think that they're like, yeah, we're not putting this guy. I mean, we <laughs> we've seen what he can do, and it's not good. So
3: they, honestly, that probably is one of the reasons why it went that way. And I think I've said it before. Like Jason Wildey has said that there's people within the building who they cringe every time Mark goes up to a mic because they know he, like he, he just kind of treats it like a, like he's just talking to the guys or he's got a little stand up set going it's like, on. It's like, why are you saying these things? And well. We'll get into more of that right now. Um, So, God, where do we want to start here? Okay, first thing. So, first thing, once again, and I've said this too many times, Mark Murphy, you can be the president. This guy should not be, you know, uh, Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, and Russ Ball should not be reporting to Mark Murphy. This is what they did in the 70s when the Packers were terrible in the 80s. It should be the GM is in charge of football operations. Mm-hmm. But Mark Murphy thought, you know, we don't have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So, Here's uh, one thing that Mark Murphy talked about. He said that it he believes it will take a, uh, half the season before the Packers know what Jordan Love can can be, what he is as QB1. Quote, comparing it a little bit to Aaron Rodgers' first year starter, yeah, I'd say at least half the season to know. And I think even even though we ended up with a losing record that year, we saw enough of Aaron to know we had something special. So that's... That's the comment he said. That's how he's rationalizing it, rationalizing it, saying we don't really know about Jordan right now, but halfway through the season we're going to have a better idea. And even you know he references you know how this is going to be similar to an Aaron Rodgers was a starter. Well, uh, here which by a the question. way,
2: that's a normal, that was an okay thing to say.
3: It's an okay thing to say, but y- you don't have to give an actual like date. So now True. Mark is opening it up like last year. Mark or uh, uh, Brian Gutekunst after the bye week, he spoke to the media. So now, and I, God, I think we do have a early bye week, or do we have a middle bye week? Oh, well. So let's say Brian talks to the media week ten this year. That's over halfway through the season. The press would be able to ask, "Hey, is Jordan playing well enough? Do you think he's QB one now? Or are you going to give him a new contract and?" Goody would then be put on the spot because of something that Mark Murphy said. But anyways, back to what Mark Murphy said. He said it's similar to you know the deal when Aaron Rodgers took over as the starter. Well, this is what Ted Thompson said on November first, two thousand eight, the day after that the Packers signed Aaron Rodgers. So his first his second contract, I Mm -hmm. guess his first one after his rookie deal. Five years. Guess how much the contract was? Five years for Rodgers. Five years. Two thousand eight.
2: Uh, 2008,
3: five years, 60. Ooh, 65 million. Very good. Yes. I
2: actually feel like I kind of remember that contract. So that's why I was close.
3: It was compared to Tony Romo at the time. Tony Romo was the quarterback who had the uh, previous, um, oh, he had the deal. I guess they were kind of in that same realm at the time. Anyways. So this is what Ted Thompson said the day that they gave Aaron Rodgers that extension after seven games, the first season of him starting. This is what Ted Thompson said. Yeah, it's nice that he's played well, but this is a long-term decision and we knew what we had long before these 7 games. So, it's completely different than what Mark Murphy said when Mark Murphy said it was the same deal That's with true. what we had with Aaron That's Rodgers. Quite it's a like, different ring. This dude was in the building in that during that time and still didn't realize that Ted and those guys did know. And there's there's a famous story with Brady Papinga being drunk at um or he wasn't drunk, but Matt Matt uh the, the GM for the Seahawks now. He used to work with the Packers. Oh, he was
2: Um Schneider. Schneider. Yeah. Yep, John, Dan, John Schneider no, John. and he,
3: and he told Brady Papinga while he was drunk, he was like, hey, man. And this is right after Rodgers had his game against the Cowboys where he came in for farf. He's like, Rodgers is the guy, man. Like, we know it's him. And then, like, the next day, he went up to Papinga. He's like, hey, what happens in Vegas uh, stays in Vegas. So don't, don't repeat that. But they knew ahead of time. And they clearly don't know right now with Jordan Love, which is fine, but... It's still kind of tough when you move on from a Hall of Fame quarterback and you don't know how good the quarterback is that you have right now.
2: But maybe that's the I mean maybe right cuz you're going from Hall of Fame quarterback where like you know like looking at him like true Jordan Loves probably I mean and the odds are definitely that he is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> right. So that's just maybe what you get and you're like all right well he's not he's not Aaron Rodgers he's not Brett Favre like but if he can go out there and play well we can do well right so like i mean and that's right. the territory their territory we're in now is like we're just like everybody else now you know
3: and that's kind of the issue with me cuz obviously we'll see with jordan love you know how good he is and all that but if if the whole reason why you why you draft a quarterback when we did is so that he's ready so if we go through 2 years of we're wasting and we're just evaluating to figure out what he is it's like there was no benefit of drafting him when Aaron Rodgers was the starter for three years, you know? So that's, I don't know. We'll find out years down the line, but just another reason why I'm like, yeah, I think we probably should have waited a couple of years.
2: Good news. If he sucks and we tank, there's some good QBs coming up. So it I know be that's... the end of the world. And a lot of times um, you, you get a stud rookie in there and you can maybe sneak in a Super Bowl. So That's the th-
3: that, I know that's the thing this this team because we're extremely young and I don't know how we're gonna be this year and I don't think the first three drafts Goody had were very good at all he had Jayer in the first one Rashan in the second one and then that third one it's like John Runyon in the fourth round that we know for sure is good Jordan Love is obviously taken in the first and we don't know but if he's if he's not good. Those first three drafts are going to be dog shit, but those next two, the one from this year and the previous year, I love these drafts, especially on offense. So if you could supplant a fucking rock star quarterback, I think this team could be really, really good in 2024, 2025, but we'll see. But either way, what I was getting at, number one goal for this year, or as far as Jordan Love's concerned, I mean, that's all we really care about for this year. I hope he's awesome. I hope he's a fucking rock star. I hope he's the guy. Number two option. I want him to be absolutely terrible. I want him to be dog yes, shit. Yes, you then, don't want good enough. No, no. You just want you want amazing dog shit, and then everything else. You know, that's the other twenty quarterbacks. You don't want to. You need like a top ten quarterback. It seems like all those yes. other guys. I I don't. I don't want. We've waste talked my about time this before. That.
2: Quarterbacks, quarterbacks that win the Super Bowl are like it's like got to be like a ninety percent or more rate. Those are Hall of Fame quarterbacks.
3: Yeah, I I said it on the podcast before. Since the year 2000, every team that won the Super Bowl either had a Hall of Fame quarterback or they put up over 30 points in the game. Yep. You need to, that's just, those are just facts. Mm-hmm. So hopefully Jordan can be that guy. I wouldn't doubt it with if these weapons turn out to be what they think, what we think they could be. But there's just such a high, <laughs> there's so many variables with this team right now.
2: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road for sure. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that the whole year, but that first month. I mean, I was thinking about it again today. Everyone, the tight ends, the receivers, and the quarterback, the main guys of the passing game are going to be like winging it. There's no – there's such little experience. The most experienced guys at tight end, quarterback, and wide receiver there for who will get substantial snaps or be a substantial – or a – Whatever a big reason why the pass game's moving, yeah, are Watson and Romeo Dubs, and neither of them played even half of the snaps last year. So it's just it's telling you again, <laughs> you know how big of a, uh, how high how low the floor is and how high the ceiling is on this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moving on, another uh, thing that came up the past couple of days in these pressers was the whole Matt Lafleur offense talk. <sighs> So just so we can once again ground ourselves for, you know, what we're talking about here, I'm going to start with uh, Mark Murphy, you know, the king of the (sighs) Green Bay Packers. So this is this quote here is from his press conference back in 2018 when he announced that he was going to give himself more power. The GM was no longer in charge of football operations. Now the GM coach and Russ Ball would report to him. This is what Mark Murphy said. What this process showed me, and this was after he went through the process finding the GM, uh, within football, we have silos. We've had some breakdowns in communication. One of the things that I really tried to do as I looked at it, what would be the best way to improve communication, improve collaboration among people within our football operation, and how do you knock down those silos? So this search process really identified some of those issues for me that was really helpful. So he said he changed the power structure so that communication would be better. This is what Mark Murphy said Monday, quote, I think offensively, you're going to see probably a little bit more of Matt's true offense. We gave Rogers the flexibility to change plays and get in and out of things that really helped, but I would anticipate a strong running game and play action off that. Yeah. Well, I think we might've thought that too, after uh, moving on from Devonte Adams last year. So that was, that was Matt on, or that was Mark on Monday. Remember, we're going to be better with communication. This is Matt LaFleur on June 16th. Quote, I always laugh at that. I don't know what that means. It's always our offense when asked about having a new offense. And then today, even during the presser on Tuesday, when asked about if he's excited to start a new offense with Jordan Love, he said, I don't know how to answer that because it's not a new offense. So once again, even the president of the Packers even obviously the offense is going to be a little bit different this year yeah. but why why are you saying these stupid fucking things when you should have nothing to do with the day-to-day football operations of this team you're just the fucking president you're not the owner of this team
2: i mean he basically it would almost be better if he did just take like an owner role cuz like some of the owners are actually pretty good at sitting back and being like don't i, I don't i own the team but mark is like i uh, he thinks he's the gm Like Mark thinks he's the GM and like, he's like everything. And, you know, but it's like, dude, like Mark, you're great with title town. Great with like certain things. Like the Packers always make money, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. But it's like, dude, like, that's why you, like at that level that you hire people, put them in place to do their job. Right. Like, like not to say that he's not doing that, but like when he talks about it, it seems like he's like Jerry Jones. Like he's just like, I'm yeah. yeah, I know everything. Oh no, we're gonna cut this guy. Like I'm not saying he said that, but like that's the vibe that I get of like it's more like the Jerry Jones, like it's kind of like my it's like my team. It's like yes. just back up. Like you don't have and to be involved.
3: Looking at this story too, I know when he made this decision, it was about fifty-fifty in the league for owners that have the football operations report to them and teams that just have the GM do it, which raises the question, why is the only fan owned team Doing that, you know, right, and I don't think we've seen way. enough. Yeah, I don't think we've seen enough of an improvement with him doing that. We've obviously we had some pretty good seasons here, but I don't know how much that has to do with people talking to Mark Murphy. So yeah, there's a lot we'll of variables to, there. Yeah, we'll have to see in uh twenty twenty five when he retires. That's it's going to be a huge day to see if they do shift that power structure back to what it was before he changed it. In uh, I, I would imagine things change drastically on the top end. I would hope, but the other thing that's interesting is these next couple of years are going to be a result of that. You know, that's going to affect it. If shit falls apart, I wouldn't doubt that they, you know, change the power structure. But if it's still going pretty well, maybe they hand it over to Ed Policy or whoever and they're like, hey, it's been working. Just keep these guys who we have hired and kind of act like me in, you know, 2007 when I took over. But yeah, maybe. I, I really fucking hope not. I, if. Once, and we've talked about it before if we the biggest thing if we just went back to that and i'm not a huge fan of goody but if he was in charge of everything i would feel so much better about the franchise right now than i do but we still have a full football season in front of us yeah um a couple other notes from mark murphy's comments this was from tom silverstein um saying that brian gutenkunst received a strong endorsement from president mark murphy saying he has made the and once again, it's like Mark, you don't have to say that. You can say this shit a different way. He said that uh, Goody has made the tough decisions, including drafting Jordan Love in 2020, so quote, we can be competitive for the long term. They say the best time to draft a quarterback is when we don't, when you don't need one. Another quote is he took a lot of heat when he took Jordan Love, at least in my mind. But we'll see what Jordan ends up being. Hopefully, he'll be a very solid and good QB. But selecting that gave us the flexibility. To trade aaron and get
2: pretty good return for it what i think uh, well i i think mark murphy is just like he's like the dad who's just like (laughs) god my kid he's really proud of his kids this is why my kid did this like he stole from the convenience store for a reason like those candy bars they're important and all he was, you know, he's like, he's got a reason for everything. Like, so he's just sticking up for his guy, no matter what. Like that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's him. Yeah. Those are the new Balances on. He goes out and he's, he's just taking arrows. That's like,
3: uh, here we go. Fun story. My mom loves telling the story. One time when I was in like elementary school, I went to the principal's office or something. Cause I was showing kids my underwear. Apparently oh. I don't know. I was like five, six years old so my mom's talking to the principal and maybe it wasn't the principal or something like that but they're my mom's like well did you ask him why he was doing it And they're like no and then they asked me and i was like well, i got a new pair of under underpants i wanted to show off and she was like see it's like just because there's a reason doesn't mean it's a good one and i think that applies here too it's like yes you drafted jordan love in the first round and i hope he's fantastic but we don't fucking know how good he is. If he's dog shit and Aaron Rodgers is good I, this year, are you still going to say that this this was a good move? I just don't think he can.
2: I think we're on to something. Mark Murphy is just the father of the Packers, and the Packers <laughs> can do no wrong And <laughs> until he casts one out, which yeah. is Aaron Rodgers is like, yeah, we're not. We're not, <laughs> this one, we're not black keeping sheep. this one around. So, yeah. This one's not invited for Thanksgiving.
3: Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing, speaking of Rodgers, there to bring up, although I give Mark Murphy a lot of shit, he did say, or he did thank Aaron Rodgers for his 18 years with the Packers organization. Um, but he said that they'll, they're obviously going to retire his number in the future and thank them. So it was nice that he did bring him up positively, too. At first, people thought he wasn't going to say his name because when talking about Jordan Love and being a, um, a successor, he didn't use Rodgers' name, but he did throw him a bone there, so...
2: I'm glad you ended on that because I was going to challenge you to say something nice about Mark.
3: Mark is good at hiring people. But Mark seems to have gotten drunk with power since 2018. That's what it seems to be. (laughs) That
2: that seemed a little backhanded. (laughs) I just wanted something nice. I didn't want something backhanded.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you got got some there. Um, Another thing.
2: The future is
0: a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what Hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com.
3: Another thing to talk about with these pressers, and I've talked about in the past, is how it seems that they're... You know, I don't think they dislike each other, but I don't think there's this cohesive bond that we thought was going on early on in 2019 and 2020 between Matt LaFleur, his coaching staff, and Bren Gutenkunst in the front of the office. And I thought this was a funny comment that uh, Brian said today. So they had his pre- the press conference today talking to Brian Gutenkunst, and they were talking about the defensive line. And this was Bill Huber asking a question about the defensive line. Said Jerry talking about Jerry Montgomery, the defensive line coach. He said, Jerry said it takes some time for a defensive lineman to be ready. Just saying, you know, you expect a lot of those guys this year, but Jerry said it takes a lot of time for a defensive lineman to get ready. Goody responded and said, Yeah, I don't necessarily take more I don't necessarily believe it takes more time than any other position. So he like half cut Bill off and said that he disagrees with the position coach, which sure jerry montgomery might be trying to make excuses for like not having to get these guys ready to play maybe but it's very funny to see a gm immediately push back and say no these guys should play especially when you look back at last year when devonta white didn't play much and then the seventh round pick jonathan ford didn't play at all and now that defensive line room has been given the fourth round pick wooden and the sixth round pick carl brooks and Good is like, no, he's got to make these guys work. It's like, I don't know if he had to push back like that, but it once again shows that there's a little bit of a back and forth going on between the coaching staff and the front office.
2: Yeah, it is interesting. I wonder how much, you know, we talk about a lot of these things and like, obviously you're, you're, we're pretty far in the weeds here. I'm like, I'm way too far in the weeds. Like like we're really far in the weeds, but I wonder like, like, look at a, look at a system that works so well for so long. Like look, look, go to new England and look at that. And I wonder granted nobody talks to the media over there mm-hmm. so you wouldn't get to have that insight but let's pick a different one go over to uh Kansas City and just like as as that system as that coaching staff erodes a little bit and things start mm-hmm. to get a little bit worse over there i wonder if those things start to show up you know as yes just if it's just a if it's a normal progression of like now we're not doing so well now everybody's opinion is kind of diverging a little bit like this isn't working. And like everybody's, you know, maybe it's one of those things It's just a normal progression. Like as things kind of deteriorate, the team gets a little bit worse. You lose that success. Like Matt LaFleur said, winning covers up a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. And like everybody's on the same page, the questions are much different when you're winning from Mm -hmm. the media than they are when you're losing. And so maybe, maybe it's not as bad, I guess, maybe what I'm trying to get at is like, it's not as it, Those differing opinions could always be there, but they don't show up until like they don't come to fruition. People aren't asking those questions, maybe. Yes,
3: absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. It's it's for sure one of those things where, you know, last year being eight and nine, you know, the point down a little bit. And I think once again, it's it's kind of a reason it's happening because of the power structure a little bit where now there's kind of a power struggle where the guys in the front office want to make sure it doesn't look like it's their fault and the coaching staff doesn't want to make it look like it's their fault if they're not going to be very good. And it's once again funny where you see it from the top where Matt LaFleur said, hey, we have to temper expectations. And Brian Gutekun saying, this isn't a rebuild. Like we are going into every year trying to win it all. It's like Goody's pretty much saying, if we're not good this year, It's the coaching fault. And he kind of said the same thing last year, too, where he didn't fault the players in the season-ending press conference. He was more so talking about the coaching staff and even that piece from The Athletic about Rodgers leaving. And, you know, they talked to Goody. One of the only quotes in there is Goody saying that the Packers didn't have a good plan for Jordan Love going in against the Chiefs. Now, he might have been right, but Jordan Love himself has said that he played like dog shit in that game. And you also just don't have to say that you had a bad game plan. Like there's a different way to say things. So I just, it'll be very interesting to see years down the line, or even the next few years, if shit falls apart, how everything shakes out.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is going to be interesting to watch in hindsight. We can look back and kind of just see, you know, what end up one of these ends up being true and what's not. I will say, I do 100% agree with the power structure thing being an issue. I just, it just doesn't seem like a good way to do things. You know, regardless of what things turn into, that just doesn't seem like a good idea. So, no, and yeah, yeah, I don't know. I would just agree that it's just like, that's just not a good idea.
3: Like I said before, I think I said this on here. One of the first things Mark Murphy did as acting president slash CEO of football operations, when Matt LaFleur was putting his staff together, he wanted Darren Rizzi to be the special teams coordinator. Mark Murphy said, nope. We can't have him, and he was one of the best special teams coordinators in the league. Mark Murphy said, nope. So Matt said, okay. He had to hire Sean Meninga. That didn't work out. He had to hire Maurice Drayton, and then we saw what happened in 2021 against the Niners, how shitty our special teams were. That was a direct result of Mark Murphy not allowing Matt LaFleur to hire Rizzy, who's a great special teams coordinator, and he has been a great special teams coordinator for the Saints who hired him on that offseason. I'd like to
2: just... Throw out a question. I wish we had somebody who is like like that we could call up and like somebody from an organization, not even anybody big, but like I would just love to ask the question. It's Like, okay, so like you want Rizzy, and it's like, no, he's too expensive. We gotta get somebody else. Okay. We're looking at if we're looking at dollars here, like what is the differential? A hundred thousand dollars, let's say. Well, so like the the Packers, that that's like Talk, take it 10 minutes and stop nothing 10 minutes it's nothing. Ten minute, you yeah. could ask for the hundred thousand dollars from the fans they'd yeah be like they would be like where do we sign can we send you it in cash through the mail well, or do you want a it's... Venmo?" like the, literally dude, the money would be so easy to come by i just don't like i don't understand that aspect of like this special teams coach is too expensive i i know it's not <laughs> it
3: absolutely ridiculous and again two other things about it one if he was going to be too expensive, and they knew ahead of time how much he was going to cost. It was part of Tom Silverstein's story. If you knew he was going to be expensive, why did you even allow Matt to interview him? Two, you know what they did with was- Rich Passaccia? When they hired him on, they made him the highest paid special teams co- coordinator in NFL history. So, what What the fuck was the plan from well, the beginning? That doesn't make any sense. No, it, you know why? It's because Mark Murphy pulling the strings, and he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. That's That's why.
2: I just like when it comes to like coaching, because like coaches don't make any money. Like if we're talking about like look at what quarterbacks make
3: he's still making millions of dollars now, Sean Meninga. I think it's like four million per or they they don't release the actual numbers, but it's not
2: sure a quarterback. Four million per is is a decent player. Okay. Yes. You've got fifty three plus on the roster of players. It's like, dude, like that's not a lot of money. If you're thinking a head coach uh, not a head coach. But a coach of, you know, either offense, defense, or special teams, like, okay, so you've got an offensive coordinator, and then you've got, anyways, what I'm trying to say is, like, that's an important role, right? Like, that's a leader on the team, mm-hmm. and so you're going to pay pretty much any decent quarterbacks getting 15 to $20 million now, and you're going to say that, like, okay, this, I want this offensive coordinator. Wow, he's too expensive. It's like, no, he's not. Like, they're not too expensive.
3: You know what would have made some money if you know what would have easily offset that if uh if Darren Rizzi was the special teams coordinator in 2021, the Packers don't lose that game, and then you have a second home playoff game at Lambeau Field. What that's do you a lot know? Of money. That's a lot of yeah. money, right there. Yeah, weird, weird how that would work out, but yes, that's it for. The Mark Murphy talk. I'll try. I talk way too much about my hatred. Over yeah, I think
2: Murphy you should just here. like calm down about Mark. Like he'll be gone soon. He's just <sighs> yeah. walking off into the sunset right now buying golf courses, shaking hands, kissing babies. I mean, yeah, just let him push
3: p- pushing his tongue through his fucking gap in his teeth. Yeah, <laughs> uh, moving on to football stuff again. Training camp is here all as well. And again, getting older. I'm 31 now the off season, like football comes at the perfect time. Like in middle school, it seemed like the season was over. It's like, oh, my God, we don't have football forever. And now it's like, you know, I I stay busy enough and football comes at the right time, right? Yeah. When you know the seasons are going to start changing. So I'm, I'm ready for excited. no Sundays.
2: I'm ready for Sundays yeah. to just be gone. Into the yes. abyss?
3: Yeah, I am as well. And my girlfriend definitely is not <laughs> prepared for that. Uh, so starting things off, couple notes uh, talking about the actual team here. Rashawn Gary, Eric Stokes, along with uh, Grant or no, not Grant Debose on the PUP list. So Gary Stokes, some other nobody is on the PUP list. Um, a reminder: the PUP list, physically unable to perform, it's players who got hurt via football who still cannot practice. Um, you during training camp. So there's two different ones: there's the training camp PUP and the regular season PUP. Training camp PUP. You are on that list. Once you can practice, you're taken off the list, and then you're practicing with the team. You're a football player. You're now on the 53-whatever. The uh, PUP list for uh, the actual season is you you never... You did not practice... If you weren't able to practice during training camp or you got hurt during training camp, you're put on this list, and you cannot play for the first four games of the season. It used to be six games. Yes. So... So let's say uh, Rashawn Gary has never taken off the PUP list. He will be on it throughout the first four games of the season. Rashawn Gary and Eric Stokes, Matt LaFleur, did say today he expects them to start practicing within the next couple weeks. So it's looking like they could be ready for week one. Maybe they won't suit them up, but they absolutely could be. Um, There's also the NFI list. These are players that got hurt uh, in a non-football way. Non-football illness list. And FI non-football injury list. Nope. Illness. I looked it up. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, Tariq Carpenter, Grant Debose, for the seventh round pick, wide receiver, and to various more of the safety we signed are all on that list. So they won't be practicing Wednesday. And a quick run-through of the schedule. Practice starts today, Wednesday. They have a ramp-up period where they have a couple unpadded practices in a row. Like I said earlier, most of these practices start at 1030. 30. Um, family night is August 5th. The first preseason game is August 11th in Cincy. August 23rd is the last practice open to public. Um, August 29th, they cut the roster from 90 to 53, which is different than what it's been, you know, like five years ago, you would, there would be like three different cuts. Now they just do them all at the very end of training camp. Yeah. And then of course, September 10th is when we kick off in Chicago. Uh, a couple other notes I saw today from, I think the dope sheet that the Packers put out 34 players on the Packers roster right now are undrafted of the 91, uh, 62.6% are sixth, seventh or undrafted football players. And 94.6% of the players are 28 years old or younger. So, Oof. this is obviously an extremely, extremely young team. Like I said before, I, there's only three players on this team that are over the age of 30. And that's uh, David Bakhtari, Preston Smith, and Pat O'Donnell. So, very fun stuff. A very young team. A very exciting training camp we have in front of us. Todd, starting things off, I said it there. You know, we did have our preview last episode if you want to see us break down all the position groups, but a week later, we want a hot take and a cold take. Something positive you think is going to happen, and something negative you think is going to happen. What is your hot take for this training camp?
2: Are we saying hot cold take is bad?
3: Is yeah, are well, cold know. takes
2: like like freezing cold takes?
3: Yeah, well, it's I not guess like a I bad take.
2: It. I, well, should we do
3: like it should be a hot take that's good and a hot take that's like you're burning in hell because it's. Because it's not a good thing, you know. It's like bad for like, the team. Yeah, like a positive and negative. So I'll I'll start. I'm going to say I think someone really surprises on the offensive line. That either being Zach Tom taking over at center. I don't think him taking over at right tackle would be that surprising. But I think someone from the group, if it's not Tom starting at center, I think someone between Sean Ryan, uh, Rashid Walker, Caleb Jones, surprises people like he might even start um, this year or maybe he plays quite a few games like I wouldn't be surprised if even John Runyan gets replaced you know we he's been kind of a staple there the last few years but at, at the end of the day he was still a fourth or fifth round pick and we have guys who are just as athletic have a higher draft pedigree than him and I wouldn't be surprised if some of these guys who were kind of on the back burner last year show up a little bit more this training camp after having another year of you know being in the system
2: okay i'm gonna challenge you you have to pick one hot take who's who's the shining star well god it's tough i would um if you gotta pick one
3: god well it it's this will probably age poorly but i'm gonna go with sean ryan then that's okay it's a hot take yeah because i think just the fact that John Runyon, again wasn't a high draft pick. Sean Ryan was taken in the third round. He converted from a tackle to guard. So if he put it together, and especially after the PED suspension he had at the end of last year, I think he could push John Ryan this year. Let's go with that. Put stamp that. That is the hot take.
2: You think maybe the PEDs are still helping him out a little bit, and he's just yeah. gonna be he's just gonna be lean and mean coming in.
3: Yeah, there isn't a testable amount in his system, but it's still right. there. It's still in his blood.
2: Yeah, like it's like, like a if microplastic. You, if you just like, if you took a bunch of trend and got super jacked, right? And then you're like, well, now I'm off of it. Like the muscle doesn't just fall off your body. You still got the muscle, right? So it's like that. I think so. Right? So like, yeah, yeah no, I'm with you. Maybe it's worth it to just do it. Just like you're not playing anyway. Get the four game suspension, whatever it ends up being. And then just be like, all right. For some guys, absolutely. Now I'm for super him, strong.
3: Yeah. For for him, it was such a terrible cherry on top of a horseshit rookie season where he made no noise during training camp. And then getting tagged with a performance-enhancing drug when he wasn't performing well is just a pretty pretty bad little... I wish uh, they uh, had to say what it was.
2: I wish it was like, PD suspension for this. Or a list. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I feel like it used to get released, or we used to find out. Well, we I found know, out
2: that Richard Sherman's PED stuff was Adderall, right? Isn't wasn't that a thing? Probably, but it was
3: probably because he said what it was. I know Jay Sternberger Fair. was the same thing, where he was on some prescription pills or something when he got busted and was suspended the first few games a couple of years ago. But I believe it's because he admitted it. So oh, okay, yeah. So yeah. maybe they
2: maybe they never said anything.
3: Yeah. So what's your, I guess you can go with the cold one too, if you want, just well, to offset them.
2: Well, I think I'm going to do, I got my hot one ready. It's okay.
3: Then go. Yeah. Hot the just went off.
2: Uh, Lou Nichols
3: consensus.
2: Ooh. Number two back by the end of the year. Ooh, I you will know, be noted. AJ Dillon's a great guy. I just, I don't, he doesn't seem like he runs behind his pads. Lou Nichols is the opposite. From what I've seen, just like on a little bit of like his highlight tape and stuff like that, like runs behind his pads. You know, he's a he's a big boy, two twenty. He moves mm-hmm. right, and like I think that's like that's like the lightning thunder that we need. AJ Dillon, great catching out of the backfield. He's almost just like a big third down back in my eyes, right? He's just a big third down back that lacks lateral agility. Yeah, you know? and I mean maybe maybe he's lightning in a bottle this year. Great. But I think Lou Nichols consensus number two by the end of the season.
3: Okay, wow, interesting. That would be, that would be something, especially if Matt actually finally like gave a young player more staff snaps right. late in the season. So that's a hot take. Like, yeah. But no, I don't hate that either, because I think I said it before, too. He didn't look very good in minicamp and OTAs, they were saying. He looked sure. a little lost, but now that, they, now that they're actually putting the pads on, right. if anyone's
2: going to benefit, it would be someone like Lou Nichols. Right. It's a guy that just goes out there and runs the ball. It's like, yeah, maybe he doesn't have blocking down yet, and maybe he doesn't, you know, it's the scheme and stuff like that. He's having a hard time. Because I think the language is an issue, too, in this offense. For a lot of people, too, like young guys, isn't that a yeah. thing? with The, the language is stuff? but... So, yeah, I mean, struggle in in shorts, but then put the pads on and it's a completely different ballgame. So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting. I don't I don't know. But that's my that's my guess. That's my hot take.
3: All right, cool. That's fair. I will accept that Uh, negative hot take the hell take who hell take. There we go. Hot take and hell take. There you go. My hell take is that the defensive line is going to be bad. I like Kenny. Obviously, Kenny is an animal. He is the December. In December, he just puts it on. He's a great player. However, last year, he didn't have a great, great year. He's only 27. I don't know if he's tr- if this is his 27, uh, if he's turning like 28 in season here. But he is the guy. I like TJ Slayton. But if he was really good, I feel like we would have known by now. Devonta Wyatt—he obviously played pretty well late last year, but you do have some type of reservations about why it took so long. And then the two rookies we got this year—I mean, they—they're just—they're kind of small for defensive linemen, especially for a defensive line that is now getting slimmer. Moving on from Dean Lowry and Jaron Reed, the only thing that could potentially save us would be Chris Slayton who Goody called out by name today and saying that he had a good training camp. And then also um, got the guy from Miami, who I always forget his name. I know I said it earlier. Jonathan Jonathan Ford, Ford the seventh rounder. He, he's a big dude. So if he shows up and is really good, that would be a total game changer. But I think the defensive line is going to be the weakness of this defense more so than the safety position, even which a lot of people have their own questions about.
2: <clears throat> yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I was... Yeah, kind of what you brought up. Mine is the opposite where I think the safety position is gonna be hot garbage. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, back to yours. I, I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm a Devontae Wyatt fan. Mm-hmm. I think I think he I think he never really got a shot to show off last year. He was True. always just lurking in the shadows, trying to get some field time. And he he got it here and there. And I think he had like what, a couple sacks last year. He was I mean, yeah. he made some up. I mean, he made some flashes here and there. So I'm, I'm excited for him. I'm, I'm hopeful that the the D line doesn't suck, but you never know, right? I mean, yeah, it's like you said. It'd be great to have a big body like Ford have some success in there. You know, we lost a trash can full of dirt. You know, <laughs> maybe we bring in the Ford.
3: Yeah, we'll let's see, and maybe TJ Slayton shows up, and I, you know, he's kind of. He always seems to be a hit or miss player, but even if Goody went out and just signed like a halfway decent veteran, yeah, veteran, I would, I'd feel a lot better. Maybe I wouldn't trust Jerry Montgomery to put out the right guy in the field, but I
2: think the saving know. grace on that D line, though, is the rush that we're going to generate off the edge. Like it, it Very that well. could save that could save us where teams. Get into a situation where they're not really trying to run the ball. But that also means our offense has to put up points. So right. it's just a – it could be one of those we've been built in the past where once we get up, we're good, right? You get up and you, you're in good shape. But if you're not up, if you're not playing with the lead and they can sit back and run the ball, but you're in tough shape. That's,
3: that has literally been the issue of the Matt lafleur Bay uh-huh. patterns. That yeah. is the type of defense that Mike Pettin tried to make where he famously said – you know, I'd rather make you walk than fly or something along those lines. And it's been the same thing with Joe Barry's defense where it's pretty straightforward where you line up. You're not blitzing really. You're just, you know, rushing the your edge guys and your defensive linemen really. But it's it's trying you're assuming you're going to play with a lead. And obviously last year that never happened and you never put together a good run defense because you never thought you'd really have to. So it's that's kind of been it's funny. The, the philosophy the
2: is just like so, walk, not fly, whatever. It basically, make you beat me on the ground. I mean, great mm-hmm. if you have a high powered offense, right? If you want to go toe to toe with somebody, it's great, but it's also super defeating when that team just marches down the field every For time sure. your defense is on the field all day, where it's like, I don't know, I don't love that. And like,
3: yeah, running backs I mean, turn the
2: ball over a lot less than quarterbacks. So
3: yeah, you'd you'd feel a little bit better about it. Not like I anticipate us competing for a Super Bowl this year, but you'd feel better about it if Shanahan wasn't in the same conference as you, as we That's saw true. in the 2019 NFC game where yeah. he he literally walked all game and blew us out of the water.
2: He just said too, he's like, I'm gonna run it until they make me throw it. Well, we never made him throw it.
3: Eight. Eight times Jimmy G threw in that game. Uh
2: so gross. Yeah,
3: terrible. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much all I had. My cold for... take is
2: bad in safeties.
3: Oh, yeah. You want to talk about that? Why do you think that?
2: I just think we haven't seen anything from Darnell Savage to be super excited about outside from him playing in the slot. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, and I think that he could have a role in the slot, but I just think you lose that veteran leadership in the defense, you know, in the back end. And that could potentially <laughs> doesn't, cause... doesn't that
3: hurt saying that when talking about Darnell Savage. Like, you're you're losing the veteran leadership. Sorry, I was talking about Adrian Amos, and we lost him in the back end. (laughs) Okay,
2: okay, yes, yes. But if Darnell is your veteran guy, I mean, it just... The communication has been a problem over the past few years, right? And it Mm -hmm. feels like, to me, the only guy that's really kind of knows what's going on is playing safety, like playing back, a lot Mm -hmm. of times, was Amos. So it's like, who's going to take that role now? And do we have... It's another thing, like, when you have guys that are just exuding talent that have no experience. Like, that's what I think about our wide receiver core is, like, I don't really so much care. I don't care as much that they don't know what they're doing out there. When you got Christian Watson, who just give him the if he catches the ball, like he can burn passively. But if sure. I've got C plus athletes that also don't know what they're doing, mm-hmm. now we're in trouble.
3: Yeah, I, I guess the reason why I feel a little bit more optimistic about the safety group for this year, I would I would say the potential of the defensive line long-term is a lot higher than the safety group that we have right now. Yeah. But the difference is, is we have guys with experience, and I wouldn't say proven, but they have started yeah. for other teams. You know, Jonathan Owens was okay for the yep. Texans last year um the guy who he signed from the Niners more he started a couple years for them he played in the Super Bowl I think for them and lost I want to say um and even Rudy Ford who came on pretty strong he kind of tailed off towards the end of the year but I feel like there's enough decent pieces there Maybe. along with the, with Anthony Johnson Jr. who if he puts it together you know that's a nice little variable where he could surprise some people as well so that's that's why I wouldn't why I'm a little bit higher or lower, I should say, on the defensive line.
2: I just think that back end is so much about communication, so much about teamwork. And if you have a weak spot, you're in trouble. And you either gotta yeah. mask it with somebody who's really good or super athletic, or you're just kind of gonna fall apart. And that's yeah. why I feel like is we just don't have like I I wouldn't feel so bad. I think I said this last week too, of like, hey, if we're missing one guy, right? If we gotta if we got a rookie and then somebody who's proven. I don't necessarily feel so bad, right? Um, mm-hmm. same thing like at inside linebacker, it's like, hey, yeah, you can plug in, you know, a guy who's not gonna be calling plays, a guy who's just gonna be go out there and just like just I focus on Duffy. filling your gap, right? Like you yep. just fill your gap, right? Like, and that can work, but it's like if you have two guys who don't know what they're doing, now you're yeah. in trouble. It's just yeah, like they, some of those they depend they, on each other too much.
3: Yeah. They don't have a Kenny in the in the. They don't have a Kenny, right? So I don't know.
2: It's it'll be interesting. It's like because corners are kind of out on their own, they got to communicate. But like safeties are the you know they're they're the captains of the secondary, right? Like they're telling everybody what to do, and so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see.
3: Your your uh, if your corners are playing lights out your safeties don't matter as much. Now your safeties can fix some things on the back end if you have less experienced corners, but if you can stop it at the start, it's a lot better than, you know, watching fucking uh, Darnell Savage pull some MD Jennings in the secondary.
2: Right. Yeah. You don't want to see that. And then, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Rizul takes so many, so many risks too. Like it just like, there's a lot of things about the secondary that make me feel uneasy Going into this year. Well, yeah,
3: Razul, especially in twenty twenty one, which was great. You no, know, that's the reason why Razul's Razul, but like no I I could be wrong, but nothing has seemed more glaring going rogue than Jair Alexander against the Bears in Soldier Field last year, where he got like beat twice on those long bombs because he was trying to like jump routes, but he was still able to catch up and tackle those guys. Yeah, I believe. Both of them. And then later in the game he had I think a huge stop on fourth down or pick or something. It's just, I don't know. I like having those rogue guys out there. God, we're all over the place, but we'll, we'll see how everything meshes later on this season. Yeah. You can have
2: those guys, but you can't, they can't all be those guys. You
3: have to be good. If you're going to be those guys, like I remember fucking Josh Jones, remember he had never loved Josh
2: Jones in training camp.
3: Training camp and that one game against the Bengals, he looked really good. Sure. But he was fucking nuts. Like he was so confident and one of those type of guys where he asked for a trade his going into his third year because he was on the bench. And it's like, dude, you suck. Like no <laughs> one's gonna one, want you, and two, who are you to demand a trade? So Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, miss him. Um but yeah, wrapping things up again. Training camp, um, God, I didn't give you a heads up on this, but I used to go to training camp back when I was a boy, just a mere child. Uh, twenty six two thousand six through twenty ten, I went to training camp. So, I thought we'd try this, Todd. Uh, name a player in that timeline, and let's see if I have a story for you about him. Say the years one more time: uh, two thousand six to twenty ten.
2: Okay. Um, trying to think of a unique player. Okay. okay. Uh, C.J. Wilson.
3: <laughs> uh, nope, no interesting stories <laughs> of C.J. Wilson. I will say I have uh, a game word cleat from Jarius Wynn, who was the other defensive end, kind of no name defensive end in that in that yep. uh, time frame. But yeah, no, no stories right, Nick on C.J. Wilson. Nick Perry. Ooh, God, you know what? Nick Perry. He was kind of. He was a little standoffish. I didn't get his autograph too much. He, 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 he might have been a little bit later on too, but uh, yes, no, nothing on Nick Perry.
2: Let's go Good start. offense. Let's go with maybe somebody who everybody would obviously know. So how about like Jordan?
3: Jordy, I did get his... God, now see, this isn't going too hot. Jordy, I did get <laughs> his autograph once, but uh, only by the bikes um, before practice. Okay, maybe... Okay. Maybe I should. uh, Maybe your turn. Maybe you tell a fun story. Okay, do you want Atari Bigby? Do you want Brian Braun? I definitely
2: want Atari Bigby. I don't even need to hear the options. (laughs) Love Atari.
3: Atari Bigby. And this was like me in middle school. This must have been 2006. And uh, this is when I was always reading up on like Packers.com and shit. And I remember, I, I think it was Underwood, who was the safety the previous year He had a really good training camp, and it looked like he was going to be the starter that next year. But he tore his ACL in a preseason game. It might have even been when he was Lambo leaping. So he obviously didn't play that year. So that next year, I'm at training camp, and I was like, oh, hey, you signing my ball or whatever. I'm like, hey, really looking forward to you playing this year. I hope you start. I know you had a great camp last year. He's like, oh, great. So he keeps going, and then next person who walks up is Atari Bigby. And I'm like, oh, cool. And I have him sign... Atari actually ended up being the starter that year. And my favorite thing about Atari Bigby, and I hope everyone remembers Atari Bigby. Yes. I, I think he does have some roots in Jamaica, but gigantic, thick yes, dreadlocks, war number 20. And just, he was a hockey player. All he did was use his shoulders. He was a freight train. He showed up to the facility one of those days, and he had a shirt on that said, smoke weed, live longer. <laughs> and he, he wore it in the facility. I just couldn't believe, and it, you know, I was like 15 years old. I'm like, this, this, this legend, this hero of mine. There's no way he's talking about doing illegal drugs, is he?
2: <laughs> but
3: uh, yeah, God, I'm I'm trying to think now. What else was oh, Brown brown. Yeah, small hands. What do you got? So, and that's back then when I was a little less. I don't know. Maybe I didn't know how to talk to football players, but I remember reading up because. That first year was when he was a rookie. He was going back and forth with wearing a glove and not wearing a glove. But he had a dog shit training camp. He was he was terrible. Right. He was so bad that he was a second round pick and Matt Flynn as the seventh rounder yeah, beat him out right. as a rookie. And I remember <laughs> this is like three weeks in a training camp. Um, you know, he's, before practice or whatever, He's signing my ball and I look over and he see he's wearing the glove. And I'm just like, oh, you're wearing the glove today. And he just, like, kind of gave me a look and then just kept signing the ball. And looking back, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like oh, oh, the glove's going to fix your throws? <laughs> Some little snot-nosed 15-year-old Is that going to make your hands bigger, shit.
2: Brian? Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll have a couple other stories later on. We'll have a couple episodes during training camp. Still, my favorite story, and I think I've said it before. I think I've said this to you before, Todd, because I would go there. I'd catch part of practice, but I was just there trying to get autographs. So one time, and this was like 11 p.m., most of the cars are out of the parking lot. We knew that was the players parking lot and that Mike McCarthy parked uh, kind of where the game day stuff is underneath the stadium where they like bring in yeah. concessions and stuff and yep. where the buses go in. Yeah, it's like the so,
2: it's like the where they bring in all the food and everything. What would you call that? Like yep. a loading dock or whatever. Yep, the
3: loading dock. That's the perfect yeah. way to describe it. Um, So. It was me, my younger brother and like two other kids that were actually who are from Superior and they happen to be down there too. And I was like, "Well, let's go over to the gates and see if we can catch McCarthy leaving." So we're there for maybe 5 minutes and a, we see a big, you know, an SUV pull up with tinted windows. Gate opens, comes up, pulls up by us. Could have kept going, doesn't. It stops driver's side window rolls down and it's fucking Mike McCarthy right there. And he's like, Hey boys could not have been a cooler oh, dude. That's cool. You know, talked to us for like five, 10 minutes was telling us all about practice, signed everything we had, took pictures with him. Couldn't have been a better dude. And again, he could have, his windows were tinted. He could have just kept going and we would yep. have been none the wiser. But that dude took the time to talk to some kids and sign our shit. And I'll always be a Mike McCarthy fan because of that.
2: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to see that. I I think probably maybe a little bit easier than being a player, too, where, like, people probably aren't going hanging out there too often. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you probably were able to get a more genuine experience. You know, like, I do feel bad for the players, too, because it's like, God, that must get annoying absolutely you know, they get good,
3: they get good at pretending they pull their phones out and put on their head and then the they headphones. pretend that they're on the phone the beats headphones they, 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 were well, like they a pretend to someone too. Yes. oh that too.
2: sure yeah. yeah okay gotcha worst experience Just just head on that quick was there anybody <laughs> that you were like that guy was so it, it's funny you ask that
3: so this is a good one and bad one so my favorite player early on there was al harris i loved al harris even more than brett Favre maybe because being super young, so it uh was very impressionable to me, was the pick in overtime the you know, against the Seahawks, Seahawks and Matt Hasselbeck, yep. back and he putting the finger up while he's scoring the touchdown. Yep. So I always loved him. So <laughs> he's leaving. This is I think it's in the evening. And he's leaving to uh go get dinner or whatever. And of course, you know the veteran autograph seeker I was. and would say, "Oh, Mr. Harris, Mr. Harris, can you sign?" <laughs> and he's like, "Nah, nah, I'll get you. I'll get you later." I'm like, "Okay, sweet." And I had like an eight by ten. I'm like, "Awesome, I'm gonna get Al Harris to sign my my picture here." So he comes back. Later. He comes back, He comes back, and I swear to God, he had a bag of uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, which I fucking love, Kentucky Fried Chicken. I was like, Mr. Harris, can you sign? And he's like, I told you later. <laughs> and he keeps walking. I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, man, I pissed him off. <laughs> and then, you know, an hour or two goes by. He's done with meetings. He comes back out. I'm like, Mr. Harris, he walks up. And he's like, hey, hey, I'm sorry for yelling at you earlier. And then he signed my signed my 8x10. All's well that ends well all is well that ends well um but uh, and not like i care and i've never sold any of my autographs but the worst signature he does the 31 he did not pick up the pen so it's just a fucking scribble at the end but i That's can't funny. knock it i've still got it framed i love al harris a- but and
2: you uh, have a you have a signed uh you have an aaron rogers signature is that on a jersey
3: yeah i gotta think i've said that before the, when is that, that the uh, follow
2: your dreams one yeah, that was yeah. Uh,
3: the tailgate tour in 2006 oh, that's or 2000. Right. I think it was 2007. He came to Superior, our hometown, and yep. I had my dishwasher money I had saved up washing dishes at Grizzlies, got my st- stitched jersey from Champs for like a hundred bucks. They only had white ones left for whatever reason. It's not like they really care. That was two years, yep. a year or two. He had been in the league and, you know, there was the whole line. I get up to the table where he signed an autograph, so a little snot nose kid, and. I give him the jersey to sign he's like oh what's your name I'm like Spencer so he writes to Spencer follow your dreams Aaron Rodgers so maybe that plays into my bias a little bit uh, with all this fucking Rodgers versus Goody stuff but I've obviously got that fucker framed up and on the wall and I did I did have it before before he was starting so that that could have aged (laughs) imagine if he was a bust and I had the fucking follow your dreams you know Greg Oden (laughs) Oh, there you go.
2: Brady Quinn. Yeah. Oh, Brady Quinn. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. cool. There you go. What is, it's uh, fun. when do, when is Packers family night? What are those tickets go on sale? I assume they're on sale right now.
3: They sell out like immediately. So if they are. Oh, really? I'm pretty God. sure. I, I thought sometimes I didn't think they had as high attendance recently as they had in the past. Oh, really? I could be wrong. Yeah. I thought it's, it's different out. with Jordan Love now, too. But Yeah.
2: Yeah, I know. In the past, they've sold out like pretty quick.
3: I I can't wait to get the one highlight clip that will have go viral on Twitter. That seems to happen every year. There's usually like one family night play. Well, I think uh, last year it was actually a really good throw from Jordan Love in the end zone where he split two defenders to Romeo Dubs. I I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that happened last year. or The year before.
2: Okay, I'm looking here now.
3: This is very important. You
2: can. Buy tickets. Oh, yeah, you can buy tickets.
3: Cool. There you go. How much is it doing a family night? It's I haven't gone so since. It's so cheap.
2: It's actually, like, so kind of the reason I brought up is, like, it is actually a really great thing for, like, little kids and mm-hmm. stuff. The well, Fireworks are cool. Fireworks are cool. It's a cool experience. <clears throat> Watching? There's nothing to watch. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, uh, I mean, my review of it is it's, like, If you water down a middle school practice, that's Mm -hmm. what you're watching. And so it's a lot of lambo leaps. It's a lot of just like screwing around. That's right. So like like it's more just like I honestly do think it's just like for the kids, right? So it's cool Mm -hmm. if you have kids. uh, It's a great thing to bring them to. Uh, But, yeah, so you're looking at uh, starting at $14. And I'm sure if you get down close, it probably goes up to it's really not that expensive. Sixty six bucks, I think, is the most expensive ticket I'm seeing. So it's really close. Cheap. And I think they have like they got cheap food and stuff during it too. It's kinda like their fan appreciation thing. You know, where the mm-hmm. some places do where food is cheap for gotcha. like one game or whatever. This is kinda like all into one. So that's yeah, cool. So cool.
3: All right. Well, we'll have to see if there's anything, you know. That comes out of family yeah, hopefully night. Hopefully
2: nobody this gets year. injured during a family night because that oh. is a travesty because it's literally like not even a practice.
3: Right. Yeah. The I was at the last uh family night that was a scrimmage. It was against the Buffalo Bills. That was Aaron Rodgers' rookie year. They actually brought in other teams for it. So that was there go. the last, fun fact. Oh
2: wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's fun. That Penn would Steel be a lot. A touchdown. That would make it yes. That would make it way more appealing <laughs> yeah. to go to that. Like that would be really fun to go watch an actual scrimmage.
3: I th- we went to f- that family night, and then after that, we went to preseason games. There on out, I think that was the only family night I've been to.
2: Sure, but yeah. There you go. Family nights fun if you have the chance, go.
3: There at least go. go once.
2: Just go one time. Yeah, there it's you go.
3: Just go once. Catch a practice too. Yeah, I but, wish I could do that. Yes, with that. Um, what a fantastic episode! If you want to leave a five star review, subscribe, unsubscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. I really don't care. Oh. Of me follow the you know just listen to the podcast. We're two cool dudes, right? Todd?
2: Oh, of course. Okay, cool.
3: Todd, do you have anything else?
2: I do not.
3: Cool. Well, I don't have anything else. So with that, Eric Kaskin, please don't sue us.
1: Quit my job. Yeah.
2: Experimental recipe. Um, too hearted. Oh, like, no,
3: no. This <laughs> is the same thing. They're just like, nah, it's just, you're just like experimental. Somebody,
2: somebody pissed in the vat this time. <laughs> Ugh, let's make a new can.
3: <laughs> no, I haven't. I have not uh, seen or tried that. I did get, uh, today I went to huge news in my life. Um, the quick trip on Dodd Road by where I live, like a mile or oh, two yeah. away. Uh, they tore it down and put up a brand new one. Oh! So the last day, the so old the one new one the is up now. The new one is up now. Yes. So I've gone there a couple times. Um. <coughs> so wow. I saw a large, like a, uh, like a, uh, what's what do you call it? a pounder? A large can of Baja Blast, and I was like, oh, that looks good. And I looked, and it's the Baja Blast energy drink, and I'm like, oh, okay. So I got that. It was okay. It was a little flat, but the taste was solid.